Did I mute myself now? I'm on. Okay. How are you this morning? Everybody good? Aren't you glad you've been here today? Aren't you, aren't you glad you braved the elements to come out here today? Yeah. Now, here's my question for you. I want you, um, you know, clapping, cheering, however you want to do it. If you are excited about a Chiefs win today, let me hear it. Let me hear you. Okay. Okay. If you are pumped up about a Patriots win today, let me hear it. <laughs> There's one. We got one. All right. Brave soul down here at the front. Okay. If you are ready to watch that Rams win today, let me hear it. Okay. Kind of. Okay. If you want, if, 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 if you want and are expecting the Saints to win, give me a hoot at real loud right now. Hoot at, yeah. Okay. A bunch of you. All right. All right. Okay, so in case, oh, let me ask this. If you couldn't care less about who wins a football game, let me hear it. Okay, just to know where we stand. All right, now we got to figure it out. Big football games today. I get it. We're going to get you home for it. Maybe barely in time. No, I'm just kidding. I don't have that much to say. But I do want to share some thoughts with you this morning. I have a lot of things in my heart to share with you today. And, and not a ton of time to do it. So I'm going to kind of move a little bit quickly this morning, uh, if at all possible. We have started talking about the starting point. It's a new year, and we're talking about as a church and as our own uh, individual selves, having a, a starting point. And not necessarily, although some of us may need just a complete overhaul. Let's go back to the beginning. Let's scrap everything and start all over. That kind of a starting point. Or some of us... A lot of us, perhaps, maybe just need to take an honest look about where I am right now. This is where I'm at in my life. This is where I'm at in my faith. This is where I'm at at work and with my friendships and my relationships and my marriage and my, uh, my, the dynamics in our family and whatever the category is. This is where I am right now. Let this be my new starting point. Where do I go from here? Where do I move forward? From, in, in which direction do I go from where I'm at right now? That's what we started talking about a couple weeks ago. Especially, and then last week talking about just our own personal relationship with Jesus. Not For some of us, that starting point needs to be I need to have a relationship with Jesus. I don't have one. And so my starting point is to, is to learn more about him and to uh, connect with him and to give my life to him. For some of us, we've made that decision before. Uh, and, and maybe we've just walked away from it. And we need to start, okay, here's where I'm at now. And I want to renew that, that commitment. I want to renew, renew that connection. And for some of us, we're, we're good. I mean, we're... We're connected with Jesus, and we recognize his presence in our lives. We still want to look at our, at our own faith and our own journey and say, okay, but now, now where do I go? Where do I go from here? And we talked about that last week. So if you missed out on that, I would invite you to go to our YouTube channel and, and find that sermon and, and uh, uh, learn some things about where to go on our journey with our relationship with Jesus. Today, I want to focus on a little bit of a different starting point for us. It has to do with starting, or I guess restarting, a habit and a mindset of reaching out and connecting and serving with our church. Now, in case you haven't been a part of our church family before, or in case you've been here and just never knew it before, we have a mission at this church. We have a mission statement. And our mission at Flagstone is, because of the grace of Jesus Christ, the Flagstone family exists to reach out, connect, and serve. And that's how we help ourselves remember, okay? So it's a lot of fun. It keeps you awake, at least for a few minutes. So the Flagstone family exists, everybody with me now, to reach out, connect, and serve. Okay? 
We want to reach out of our comfort, outside of our comfort zones, outside of these four walls. We want to reach out to people. We want to connect with people. We want to build relationships with people. We want to find out about their lives and, and see how we can help. We want to serve. We want to meet people's needs. And as a church family, we want to have that expectation that people are going to do that uh, for us as well. That's our mission. That's what it is that, that, that we feel like God has called this church family to do. That's why we exist. And out of all that, the reason that we're reaching out and the reason that we're connecting and building relationships and the reason that we're finding ways to serve and to meet people's needs is because of the grace that we've experienced in Jesus Christ, because of the freedom that we've experienced, because of the life change that we've experienced, because nothing has been the same since, since we gave our lives to him. That's what we want to do as individuals and as a church. Does that make sense? That's what we feel like we're called to do. Now, the Flagstone family is coming up on our ninth birthday. We planted this church. We, a lot of us were uh, uh, a part of the Southside Church Christ over in Rogers, and we planted this church almost nine years ago. And one of the, one of the visions, one of the focuses of that church plant was not to become just another church, uh, just a carbon copy of who we already were. We had a great church family, uh, and it still is a great church family over at Southside, doing lots of good things. And we wanted to plant, we wanted to take what we were doing there and plant it somewhere else and keep doing that. But at the same time, our leadership and even the folks that came with us when we planted had a mindset that it wasn't just about making just another church building, another Church of Christ church for people to come to. That we wanted to have a focus and a vision for, well, for the unchurched. And that almost, I, I, I want to be careful about how I use that term. Because if I, if I, if I was to call some, walk up to somebody and go, are you churched or unchurched? It, that, that sounds kind of like I'm putting people in categories and well, if you're not church, you're not as good as, as me. And, and that's not what I mean at all. And so I want you to hear this morning, if, I, if and when I use the term unchurched, it's not in a superior way. It's not in a judgmental way. The only comparison part of that is, do you go to church or do you not? I don't think anybody, well, I hope no one in our church family considers ourselves better people than unchurched people. We've got just as many flaws and mistakes and things going on in our lives as unchurched people do. We've just experienced the grace of Jesus to cover those flaws and mistakes, and we're surrounded by a church family that helps us through those. Does that make sense? Okay. So really what we're talking about, we talk about unchurched people. It's just somebody that doesn't go to church. Maybe they never have gone to church anywhere. Maybe they've never been a part of a church family at all. It wasn't part of their upbringing. It wasn't part of their culture. And they just never have. It's never been a priority for them. Or maybe it's someone who, uh, either when they were younger or even more recently, you know, just within the last few years and months, uh, they were a part of a church family. And something happened. Something, uh, you know, maybe something at the church happened that they just kind of rubbed them the wrong way and they decided not to go there anymore. Maybe something hurtful happened and they don't want to be a part of church anymore. Or maybe just life happened and things got busy and it didn't become a, pri a priority for them anymore. And so they kind of uh, faded out of going to church. But when we talk about unchurched people, that's what we're talking about. People who don't go to church on a regular basis. People who can't say, yeah, that's my church family. That is the vision and the focus that this church family started out with. Reaching out to, connecting with, and serving 
people who don't have a church family already. And what I want us to focus on this morning, as we talk about a starting point, is to be honest as a church and as individuals. Where am I right now in connecting with folks who don't have a church family that they go to, who don't have a church family to be a part of and feel connected to? Where am I at in, 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 in reaching out to them and connecting with them and serving with them? And if, if I'm doing those things, if I'm reaching out to and connecting with and serving unchurched, people who don't have a church family, great. This is my starting point, and I'm already doing it, and I'm just going to move forward from here. If I'm not doing those things, then I need to be honest about that and go, okay, starting today, what can I do now? What direction am I going to go from here in connecting with and building relationships with unchurched people, people who don't have a church family already? So I think the first thing that we got to be honest about is just recognizing what is it that keeps me from doing that. I mean, if I'm really honest with myself and I let them go, you know what, I, I, I don't reach out very much. I don't invite very much. I don't connect with people who don't belong to my church or, or who don't go to church at all. Why is that? Now, if we were to answer that question, if I just said, raise your hand and tell me why, we'd have a whole bunch of answers, and they'd all be good. I'm going to give you some that I think are fairly common for a lot of us. But why I don't reach out and build relationships and even invite unchurched people, people who don't have a church family, to come experience what I'm experiencing here. One reason is, I don't know any unchurched people. That may be where you're at. I just, I, I don't know that many. I mean, if you look at your circle of friends, if you look at people that you spend time with, if you look at your, I mean, your own family, if you, if you look at the, at the the people who have kids on the same teams that your kids are on and experience the same school activities that your kids do, if you got co-workers that you spend a lot of time with, maybe all the people in your circle, all the people that you spend time with, go to church. They have a church family. It may be this one. It may not be this one. But they go somewhere. They're connected somewhere. I mean, if, if I ask you to right now, just with your, with your bulletin, with your connection card, if you could write down... Three, the names of three people that you know right now, not just the names of random people that I think I know, I think her name's Jane and she works in some cubicle across the way, that you actually know, you have conversations with, that you would actually call a friend, a little bit more than an acquaintance. Can you think of three people that don't go to church anywhere, that don't have a church family to be a part of? I'm not judging, I'm asking. It'd be hard for me, to be honest with you. Part of it's the job, you know? <laughs> a lot of the people that I connect with go to church. <laughs> but I'm confessing to you folks, I, I, I don't have that many relationships with unchurched people. And maybe you're the same way. And the reason that we don't connect with them, the reason that we, that we uh, don't invite people in is because we just don't know that many. We don't have that many relationships with us. If you look at, at Jesus' ministry when he was uh, here on this earth, he spent time all the time outside of his circle of disciples and outside of his, his typical, his daily connections, outside of what most of us would consider our comfort zone. You look in, in Mark chapter 2. If you go in your New Testament, Bible's divided into Old Testament and New Testament. In the New Testament, the second book, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, those four books 
were written about the life of Christ when he was here on this earth. The second one, Mark chapter 2. Jesus is, is uh, ministering to people, and he finds a guy that, that we've already talked about before, this, this uh, tax collector. His name is Levi, or some, uh, some of the translations will call him Matthew. He was an outcast. He wasn't associated with people. Church people would have thought that you didn't want to associate with him because he was just, just such a bad person. And that's who Jesus calls to be one of his disciples. But then I want you to see the next thing that happens after he calls Levi to come follow him and to be connected with him. Look at verse 15. It says, while Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors... Many of these other people who were the outcasts of the culture of that time, many tax collectors and sinners, we don't even know what all they've done. They just got this, this label, sinners, by the rest of society, by the rest of the church people. Many tax collectors and many sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. Pay attention to the wording here. They were eating with Jesus. Jesus didn't happen to be in the same restaurant and there were a bunch of sinners over at that table and he's over here with his. Jesus wasn't eating near the sinners, in the vicinity of the sinners. He was eating what? With them. Sitting right in the middle of them. Building relationships, making connections with people who typically weren't even allowed in the church building. If I'm going to be a follower of Jesus and I see him doing that, what does that mean for me? I need to be building relationships with people who don't have a church family already. If I'm going to have a vision for the unchurched, then maybe my starting point is just to start spending time with unchurched people. Maybe the reason that I have a struggle with connecting with the unchurched is because I don't care about unchurched people. That sounded kind of harsh, didn't it? It may hurt a little bit to be honest about this, but the reason that I may not have a vision for connecting with the unchurched is because, quite honestly, I may not really care about the unchurched. And I may not articulate it that way. I may not walk out of here going, you know what? I don't care about unchurched people. Y'all have a nice day. That, that may not be the words that come out of my mouth, but my actions demonstrate it. That people who don't have a church family to connect with, people who don't have a relationship with Jesus are not a priority for me. That's the preacher's job. That's somebody else that's got a whole lot more training and a whole lot more experience in, in Bible studying and answering questions and in converting people. That's not me. And it, it, it really, we, we can come up with all sorts of excuses. Man, I'm really busy. I don't know all the answers to all the questions. I, I don't know exactly what to say. That's outside of my comfort zone. And whatever excuses and rationalizations we can come up with, you know what it honestly boils down to? I don't care. And the reason I say that is because if I cared, if I truly was that passionate about people who don't have a church family and don't have a relationship with Jesus, I wouldn't be able to help myself but trying to make some kind of connection with them. If it was that important to me. You go back to the book of Mark. You go two more chapters over to Mark chapter 4. We talked about this story uh, in, in the the uh, ladies' Bible study this last week in Mark chapter 4, when Jesus is in a boat in, on a lake 
with his disciples and a storm comes up and the storm is raging and the disciples think that, that they're going to die. There's waves crashing, there's wind blowing and Jesus the whole time is asleep. He's laying on a pillow asleep in the back of the boat while everybody else is screaming for their lives while the boat is rocking back and forth and lightning, storms, rain, wind, everything that you can think of. It's, in my mind, it's like a typhoon right there over that boat. And the disciples come to Jesus in the middle of the storm. They've done everything that they know to do to survive and to hold that boat together and to try to get to shore. And it says in verse 38, the disciples woke him up and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Now, Jesus gets up right after this and says, Knock it off, and the storm does. That's my paraphrase. But the, look at the question. Jesus, don't you care? Do you not see what's going on right now? Do you not see how we're swamped and overwhelmed and scared right now? Don't you care? Of course he cared. And we could, man, we could spend all sorts of time talking about all that, but, but I want you to pay attention to the question this morning because my, my guess is, Without saying so, there's people around you on a daily basis, people that you work with, people in your neighborhoods, people sitting a few seats down from you at the ball game, people maybe sitting across the table from you at family gatherings, who by what's going on in their lives and how they're reacting to it and the things that are happening uh, in their lives, they're feeling overwhelmed and swamped and the storms are coming and they're just barely holding on and they may not speak it with their mouths, but their lives are demonstrating, they're asking the question, does anybody care? I'm drowning. Does anybody care? And too many of us, often myself included, are sleeping on our comfortable pillows. Going, that's a shame. Somebody should do something. We need to have a passion for people who don't have what we do. For people who are experiencing storms in this life and we know how to get them to shore. Do we care? So maybe I just, I just don't know unchurched people. Maybe I, I hate to say it, don't care about unchurched people. Or maybe the issue is I just don't know how to engage unchurched people. I want to. I, I, I want to make connections. I, I want people to experience what it is I'm experiencing. I just, I don't know how. Is there a training course? Is there uh, some helpful video? To be honest, yeah, there's a lot of them. But, but I mean, we, we, that's what we struggle with. I may even know an unchurched person. I may have a heart that wants people to experience a relationship with Jesus and, and a connection with a church family like this. I just don't know how to engage in that conversation. I don't know how to get a cup of coffee and walk up to somebody at work and go, hey, how's your life? It just seems awkward and weird. How do I do that? And maybe we, we struggle with, with what Paul says uh, a few books over from the book of Mark in Romans chapter 10. And he's writing to the church there, uh, and he says in chapter 10, verse 14, how then can they call on the one... They have not believed in. He's talking about people who don't have a relationship and a connection with Jesus. How can they call on the one uh, that they haven't believed in? How can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? That's a really long way for Paul to say, look, there's people who don't know Jesus. And the reason they don't know Jesus is because you haven't said anything about him. 
And again, I don't want any of us, I'm not trying to inflict a, a, a guilt trip on any of us. I'm challenging all of us, myself included, to look at where I am right now. Who's in my life that isn't connected to a church already? And what am I willing to do about it? And if I have a heart for that, if I want to connect them to the church, if I want to, I mean, first and foremost, to connect them to Jesus, I want them to hear about him. I want them to experience that. How do I do that? I'm going to give you a crash course that all of us can use as our starting point. This is where we start, okay? Three key words. You can write them down if you want to. Three key words that will help each one of us this morning at least get started in connecting with people who don't have a church family already and don't have a relationship with Jesus. The three words are know, invest, and invite. Those are our action steps this morning. Know, invest, and invite. Okay, let's talk about know. What is it I got to know? Well, first of all, I got to know what it is that I believe. I got to know what it is that I believe about Jesus. I got to know what it is that, that that faith and that belief in him has meant to me. What it has meant to me to have Jesus in my life. I need to know what the blessings have been for me by being connected with him, by being saved by him, by being connected with a church family. And all of us have experienced that. If you have given your life to Jesus Christ, if you've confessed your sins and repented of them and been baptized in his name, he has set you free. And it doesn't matter if you had a million sins or not quite a million sins. He has set us all free. He has brought us from darkness to light. We've all experienced it. We all have a story. Know your story. Know what it is you believe about Jesus. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to be able to answer all the questions. What does it mean to you to have Jesus in your life and to be connected with a church that, that has a connection with him? Do you know that? Know what it is you believe. The Apostle Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, I know whom I believed, and I'm convinced that he is able to guard what I've entrusted him until that day. Paul says, I know, I'm convinced that there is a Lord Jesus Christ, that he saved me from my sins, and that he's coming back for me one day. And I'm going to live for him until that day comes. I know it. I'm convinced of it. We need to know what we believe. We need to be convinced of it. We need to trust in the truth and the power of it. I need to know what I believe. And second, I need to know why I believe it. I believe in, in the truth of Scripture. I believe that this is, this is accurate, that the things in here are true, that they actually happen, that they actually work. I believe in the, in, the, in the reality of my own personal experiences. When I've prayed and God has answered, when I've prayed and God gave me a different answer than what I wanted, when I've, when I've trusted in God, when I've followed his direction, all those different experiences have have helped to shape me into knowing why I believe, not just what, but why I believe it. Maybe, I don't know, maybe you've experienced the healing of a broken marriage. Maybe you've experienced freedom from addiction. Maybe there was hurt, maybe even abuse in your past, and God not only rescued you from it, but healed you from it. Maybe there's resentment that you've been able to let go of. Maybe there's habits and, and, and uh, attitudes and gossip and things like that that you've been able to be set free from because of Jesus. Maybe you have just recognized 
your own self-worth and how valuable you are to God and how valuable you are to this church and the people who love you and care about you and has made a difference in your life. Maybe, maybe you've been able to let go of anger. Maybe you've gotten a hold of your finances because God has set you free from selfishness and from overspending. And whatever it is, whatever those things that have happened to me, I need to know, I need to understand that's why I believe what I believe. Not just to know the facts, but to know why I believe them. Again, going back to the Apostle Paul. We were in 2 Timothy a minute ago. Back up one book to 1 Timothy. In chapter 1, verse 15, the Apostle Paul says, Here's a trustworthy saying. Here's something you can hang your hat on. Here's something you can rely on. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Paul goes on to say, Of whom I am the worst. That's not a contest. But Paul could probably stand next to some of us and go, really, that's all you've done? Look at all the things I've done in my life. And we would go, oh, man. In his own mind, not in God's mind, in his own mind, Paul considered himself one of the worst sinners of all time. And even with that, he says, you know what? Jesus Christ came into this world for one reason, to save me. Because I was a sinner. Paul could go on to say, this is why I talk about him. This is why I share my faith. This is why I make connections with people. This is why I challenge churches to, to go out and be Jesus in this world. This is why. Because I recognize what Jesus Christ has done in my life. And I want other people to experience it too. Know what you believe. Know why you believe it. And number three, know how to recognize someone else that needs it. Learn to pay attention to someone around you, someone in your life who's open to a conversation about Jesus. And maybe that somebody brings up a conversation about things they're struggling with in their life. Things that are going on, they don't know what the answers are. They don't know how to handle that. There's things that, that could be better. There's things that could be different. Pay attention. Offer to have a conversation. Offer to have a cup of coffee. If, if nothing else, just to sit and talk. Be a sounding board for them to, to verbalize everything that's going on, everything that's on their hearts. Talk with them, share with them, pray with them. Tell them what, if you've experienced some of that yourself, tell them how God rescued you from it, brought you through it, know how to recognize it. The Apostle Paul in the book of Acts was in a city called Athens. And Athens was full of this worship of all these different gods and goddesses. And they had, they had temples everywhere, they had altars everywhere, they had statues everywhere. Anywhere you turned, you could find some way to worship some mythological God. They were so convinced about all these multiple gods everywhere and how they were involved in everybody's lives and they were worried to death that they might have left somebody out and that that god or goddess was going to strike them with a lightning bolt that they even set up an altar to the unknown god. Whoever you are, here's your altar. Paul sees this and I'm sure Paul is like, seriously? Oh my goodness. And he starts talking to some people about Jesus. And some more people here, and they say, why don't you come talk to all of us about this? And so he gets together with this whole group of people. And, and Paul could have gone, you idiots. Look at all these statues. Look at all these altars and temples. What are you doing? Because some of us would have been tempted to do that. Here's what Paul says in Acts chapter 17, verse 22. People of Athens, I see 
that in every way you are very religious. What's Paul saying? I can tell faith matters to you. I can tell that you're searching for answers. I can tell that you're wondering what exactly is your place in this world. Let me tell you how you can find it. And he started right there. That was his starting point, and he started talking about Jesus. Because he paid attention. Because he recognized some people who had a place in their lives, a a hole in their hearts that needed to be filled, and he knew Jesus Christ could fill it, and he started the conversation. We got to know how to do that. Know what you believe, know why you believe it, and know how to recognize somebody who needs to hear about it. What's our other action steps? The next one, invest. When I invest in something financially, which is not very often, but when I do, what I'm doing is putting some of my money to work in the hopes that whatever it is that I, that I put out there to work will produce even more. I get more back than what I put into it. That's an investment. I'm putting something out there. I'm working and hoping that I'll get something even more in return. When I invest in the person, I spend my energy and my time and my priorities and my pride and my effort on that person. I give them something of myself. I spend my my energy and my emotions on that person in the hopes that that relationship will grow stronger, in the hopes that we'll get more deeply connected. I'm investing in a relationship with this other person in the hopes that we get more deeply connected. And as that connection grows, I have the opportunity to share with them about my connection with Jesus. In the book of Luke, there's a man talked about in Luke chapter 19. His name is Zacchaeus. He's another one of these tax collector guys that nobody liked. The other thing about Zacchaeus is Zacchaeus was really short, so everybody made fun of him for that too. And so as far as we can tell or assume, Zacchaeus had a hard life as far as getting along with other people and probably was pretty mean to other people in response to their meanness to him. He overcharged people their taxes. He was probably really mean to the ones that picked on him because of his height. But he hears that Jesus is coming, and when Jesus comes down the road, he can't see over the crowd, and so he climbs up in a tree. And when Jesus comes to that spot in the road and he comes to the tree, he stops, and he looks up in the tree, and he says, Zacchaeus, you need to come down. And all eyes turn and look at Zacchaeus. And I'm sure Zacchaeus is like, please keep walking. Nobody here but us birds. You know, like trying to, but it's, everybody's looking now. But Jesus goes on to say, Zacchaeus, come down, because I'm coming to your house. I'm coming to spend time with you. In verses 5 and 6, I must stay at your house today, Jesus says. And so he came down and he welcomed him gladly. And if you go on to read... Zacchaeus is so moved by the time that he spent with Jesus. And we don't know how long that time was. Could have been a few hours, could have been even longer. But Jesus spent time with Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus eventually stands up and says, Jesus, you know what? My life is different because of this connection, because of this relationship. And I'm going to make everything different about my life starting today. And anybody that I've cheated out of their taxes, anybody that I've overcharged or swindled in any way, I'm going to pay them back four times what I took from them. And it all started because Jesus said, I want to spend time with you. It all started because Jesus invested in Zacchaeus. And that investment produced a whole lot more 
than what most people would expect. Jesus took the time to invest in him and it changed his life. And I believe, I'm, I'm convinced that if I start investing in people who don't have a church family and don't have a relationship with Jesus, lives will be changed because of it. Not because I'm trying to manipulate them into anything. And not out of insincerity and, and getting to put tally marks in, yep, got that one, yep, got that one. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about building relationships with people who don't have people normally building relationships with them. Investing in other people because of what I've experienced by having someone invest in me. And the last thing we need to, we need to invite. We need to invite people to church. We need to invite people to our connection group. We need to invite people to just have coffee. We need to invite them to at least have a conversation. We don't have to have all the answers. We just need to have a heart and a vision for people who don't have what we have. And to be able to say to them, I've got a starting point for you. Maybe even say, it's right here with my church family. Why don't you come see what it's like? There's all sorts of training videos on how to invite people to church. There's all sorts of ways to figure out how to invite people to a Bible study and those kind of things. I showed you this video, it's probably been five or six years ago, and I thought I'd show it again because we're talking about investing in people and inviting them to experience what we've experienced. So we'll show this real quick and then I'll wrap up this morning. Hey, I'm Johnny. And I'm Chachi. And today we want to show you how to invite someone to church. Okay, here we are at Mission Control. We have our equipment, we have cameras over there and over there. And these are going to be real people Chachi's talking to, right? Yeah, real neighbors that I'm going to invite to church. All right, here we go. Okay, here comes an older gentleman. Do you see him? Yeah. Okay, who's that? That's Kenneth. He's a real hoot. Okay, this is a great opportunity for you to highlight how your church is primarily under 40 and how you lack the experience and wisdom that can come from someone older and wiser. Okay? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay, let me do a sound check. Great. Okay, go, go, go. Showtime. Oh, hey, Kenneth. Can I ask you a question? It's Carl. Yeah, that, that's what I thought it was. I was going to ask you to come to church with me sometime because there's no one like you at my church. I mean, not even remotely. It was fine. It was more your delivery. It sounded, you said it in a negative way. Yeah, I okay. messed that one up. Sorry, Johnny. No, it's okay. Let's just try again. Okay, there, there's another guy. Who's that? Yeah, that's Samuel. He's a businessman in the neighborhood, and he's working way too many hours. Okay, well, that's an opportunity to meet Samuel where he's at, okay? Chachi, when you speak to him, make sure he knows that church is like an oasis compared to the daily grind of the office. Okay, it's nothing like work. Nothing like work. You got it? Yeah, I got it. I okay. got it. I'm ready. Sound check. Okay, I'm Sound out of here. Good. Go, go, go. Oh, hey, Samuel. Beautiful day. Hey, man. I was wondering if sometime you wanted to visit my church with me. What time do you owe me? It's not your business. It sounded like you said it's none of your business. Well, I meant to say it's not like your business. It, it didn't sound like that. Felt like you got I, it. I didn't think this was difficult. Well, give me one more chance. Let's do one more. Okay. Hey, Johnny, Johnny. That's mm -hmm. my next-door neighbor, Cam, and her three kids. 
They love me. This will be a great one. Okay. Well, your church does have a great kids program. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's do this. Okay. Tell them that basically they're going to learn godly principles and that they'll get lost in all the fun. Okay. Kids lost fun. Got it. Okay. All right. You want to check my mic one more time? It's great. Ow. Okay. Be right back. How y'all doing? Good to see ya. Good to see you. Hi, Cam. Man, he is getting really, really big. I thought I'd come by and invite you guys to church sometime. Would you kids like that? Yeah. Church? Yeah. You, you should come to church with me sometime if you ever want to see your kids again. Go. Go. I mean, it's because you get lost in all the fun. Good, good talk. Talk to you later. Okay, so it's not always the easiest thing in the world to do, but we need to invite. We need to invite people, invite people to Flagstone, invite people to your connection group, invite people somehow, some way to experience what it is that you've experienced. If you have experienced freedom in Jesus Christ, invite somebody else to experience that. At least invite them to the conversation, to talk about it. Invite people to come experience. If you, if you are blessed by being a part of this church family in some way, invite other people to experience that as well. There's a, a disciple of Jesus. His name was Philip. And Philip told his buddy Nathaniel, you need to come meet this guy. I, I think he's the Messiah. I think he's the one that can change our lives. And Nathaniel says, well, where's he from? He's like, well, he's from Nazareth. His name is Jesus. He's from Nazareth. And in verse 46 of John chapter 1, Nathaniel says, Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? Now, pick the most least liked city in your concept, in your mind. It'd be the same kind of thing. Pick whatever town that you were the biggest rivals with in high school. Pick whatever people that, as soon as you heard, oh, they're from there, really? It was beyond Nathaniel's comprehension that anything good could come from Nazareth. Here's why I share that. With, here's why I point that out. There are people who have nothing to do with Jesus and his church because they don't think anything good can come from it. Because they've either heard or experienced judgment, pain, annoyance, disagreement, whatever it is. And if you, if you even say something about Jesus, if you even say something about church, they're going to be like, church, can anything good come from church? Look at Philip's response. Just come and see. He's just inviting them to experience it for himself. Philip didn't go into a whole long discussion and, and PowerPoint presentation of all the reasons why somebody should give their lives to Jesus and all the scriptures to prove it and all the reasons why you should be involved in church. Philip said, it has changed my life and I think it can change yours. Why don't you come see? Know what you believe and why you believe it. Know how to recognize somebody who needs to hear about it. Invest in that person and invite them to experience that connection for themselves. And then see what God does with it. But it won't 
make a bit of difference if we don't have a vision and a focus for people who aren't part of a church family at all. If that's not where our heart is. If that's not where our focus is. And so as I wrap up this morning, I want to offer, first of all, this, this disclaimer for any of our guests, for any people who are not a part of our church family or any part of a church family, but you chose to be here this morning. I hope that that as we have talked about this this morning, that you don't feel that you don't feel singled out, that you don't feel judged, that that you understand we care about you, and we we do care about people who don't have a relationship with Jesus. We we love them, and we want to extend grace and mercy and and and, and just friendship, relationship with with anybody who's willing to experience that for themselves. We want that for you. Because we've been where you are. We know what it's like to be, to be fumbling in the dark for answers and meaning and purpose. And we found it in Jesus Christ and we found it in this church. And we want you to experience that too. And I hope that has come through this morning. There's no judgment here. We're all flawed. We're just helping each other get through the flaws and the mistakes and problems of this life together. Because of the grace that we've experienced in Jesus. And I... And I I want you to know more about that, and I want you to experience it for yourself. And if we can help make that happen, we want to. And I'll wrap up with this this morning. Several years ago, one of my good friends, uh, Greg Spink, was a counselor at our church camp. And he told the campers uh, at one point, he said, you know, you can imagine, imagine your favorite football team. Imagine them practicing all week, getting their game plan together, getting hyped up on the sidelines beforehand, and all the, the team runs out on the field, and they get in their huddle. They got the play ready. They know, everybody knows exactly what they're supposed to do. They know what play they're supposed to run, how they're supposed to run it, and they're all ready and ready. Break, and then they all run back over to the sidelines. And then there's a penalty call because delay a game, and they back the ball up a little bit. And then the team runs back out again, and they get in their huddle, and, okay, this time, this is the play we're going to run, and this is what we're, what we're going to do, and this is your job and your job, and, okay, ready, break. And they run back over to the sidelines again. And they keep doing that over and over and over. How successful is that team going to be? They're going to fail miserably. And yet, that's what some of our churches do. We get together and we sing and we pray and we encourage and we, and we challenge each other and we experience forgiveness and grace together. And then we say, okay, let's go out. Let's go out to our workplaces. Let's go out to our schools. Let's go out to our neighborhoods. Let's go out and, and be the church, be the things that we've, that we've learned how to be while we're here together. And then we go run off to the sidelines and we wait until the next Sunday and we come back and do it again. I'm probably the most guilty person of it. But I want to be better. And I want you, I want us together to say, here I am today. This is my starting point. From this point forward, I'm going to invest in inviting some people. I'm going to invest in some people. I'm going to invite them to experience what I've experienced because this experience has been amazing. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, today's the day to fix that. It'll change your life. And you're welcome to come forward when, this, when we sing this song in just a minute and say, that's what I want to happen. If you've walked away from a relationship with Jesus, you know what it's like to have your life changed. He welcomes you back. We welcome you back. Experience it again. Your life will never be the same. If you just want to confess this church family, here's some things that have kept me 
from getting off the sidelines and going out and investing in people's lives and inviting them to what I've experienced. And I want your help and I want your prayers. You're welcome to come share that with us. If you don't move an inch from where you're standing when we stand and sing in just a moment, I would invite you, I would challenge you to be honest about where you are right now in your heart for unchurched people, in your willingness to reach out to and connect with and serve them. And maybe just even to pray in your own heart, Lord, I want a starting point. I want a new starting point today. From this point forward, things are going to be different. And believe and trust he's going to make that happen. But we want to help if we can. So feel free to come forward and let us know how. While together we stand and sing.